Mama's running her thing now. And we are live. Welcome everyone. My name is Nikki Lopez of Nikki Lopez Creative and you're watching The Circle where every Tuesday, 8.30 to 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, I'm talking to artists, activists, uh, social entrepreneurs, people doing great things in the world today. And I'm super, super excited to have a very special guest and friend, Yerni Gabon. Thank you for being here. <laughs> yes, so um, Yerni is an an artivist, an activist, and a social practitioner. So, um, and I know that's just a very short list for some of the things that you do. You, you have lots going on. And so we're gonna get into it. So we have, we're, we're a couple minutes behind, but that's fine, we're live. Um, we are live on Facebook on, in a few places. We have Nikki Lopez Creative. We also have uh, the Circle Group and YouTube and uh, uh, Periscope for the couple of people that's there. So um, so let's just jump into it. Um, where, it, what, what inspired and initiated your creative journey? Well, <clears throat> thank you for having me first and foremost. Yes. And your friendship and your support, it's really wonderful. Um, my creative journey I always felt was innate, which means um, I have no choice. So, I'm always inspired, but not having a choice, it means that I am always um, on a journey of some sort. I was never not on a journey. Mm -hmm. um, but to be more specific about what inspire my practice, it's more like a call and response. So I'm responding to what the callings are. and most times, 99% of the, those time, it's social activism. It's something that is happening in the community with black and brown people. Um, or something that's happening in community with unders underserved people, or, you know, inequity, or um, just anything that I can use this platform and bring a creative voice to is something that I will always do. So to to answer your question, what inspire is just it's it's my duty, Cantonina Simone and responsibility to respond to the times. So I just feel like I need to respond when there is a calling. Right? So there's so much been going on from I don't know, four hundred years ago that we need to be inspired about mm -hmm. even much lately as you look around you you cannot you cannot not see and not be inspired to respond creatively socially uh and otherwise to make your voice heard with the um disparities and all the the things that's going on to black and brown people mm -hmm particular in this country, but it's around the world. So, yeah. Okay. And then we have, um, I wanted to ask, what are some of the narratives about that you explore in your um, body of work, but we also have your website. So we, do, should we load that up now or do you wanna kind of get into? 
um, a few of the pieces? Yeah, well, you know, one of the one of my first major works, I think. Okay, many many years ago, I wouldn't say many many years ago, but many years ago, um, recent years ago, here in Los Angeles, I've been in Los Angeles twenty one years now. Um, and, and coming from Jamaica and living in other parts of the world and seeing what that looks like and cultural um, um, navigating, navigating the many cultures, I got a full understanding of how to survive. Mm -hmm. right? if, you, if you've been in the woods long enough, you're going to know where the dangers are. Yeah? So um, one of my first pieces that I, I did in 1988 in Jamaica was a, a piece, probably not on my website. It was a performance piece on the co cocaine epidemic. I can't recite the poem now um, to you, but um, you know, we'll see. And that was, there's a talent show called the Tasty Talent Show. And it's, it's you know, it's been won by Nadine Sutherland. I don't know if you know who she is, King Yellow Man, Beanie Man, all these artists comes from you know, I mean, this 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 major talent show. I was the first poet and singer to have won this. Wow. And I felt like if I, when everybody was singing North American tune, R&B and stuff, if I have this platform, nine, 10,000 people, it must count. So against the, 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 um, the fear of everybody, don't go with a poem, you're never gonna win. I won that thing twice, the semi and the grand final with cocaine. Mm. Uh, and that was kind of, and, and I took money from that and I donated to Walker's Wood Home for Safety. I mm. bought, I bought, I looked at the place that didn't have a clock. I bought them a clock and I, I must have gotten know, some small amount of money, 2000 Jamaican dollar by the time I bought them a clock, I gave them a small donation. And I stayed close to them even uh, until about two years ago when the home caught fire and they dispersed, right? So that was kind of the first major um, activism piece that I did. Fast forward, you know, I mean, I've worked with Battered Women Shelter here in Los Angeles when I first came, you know, I mean, I came as, as an actor to LA, had, had work in other fields, right? But most recent and one of the most published work and social activism piece I've done is on the piece on albinism that took me to Africa, the West Indies, Europe, the Americas to research and make work from the findings. Mm. Um, I just saw, I saw the article written by Vicky Etetema or the t television piece and I started digging and found out that she was in hiding. She's not my friend, actually. she was at the BBC East Africa. And she reported the news of the killings of people with albinism. And um, that had me. And then I remember what that was like as a child and the stories I've learned from Yellowman um, about Yellowman. I didn't really know him personally then more than I performed with him a few times as, as an entertainer, singer. Um, we share the same stage, um, but not knew his full backstory. So, you know, with a village, you know, African Millennium Foundation, CCH and a bunch of others, you know, came aboard, helped me raise the money to do the research, right? Mm -hmm. and the school was like, ah, oh, well, we can't send you to Africa. No, 
later on they came and they took pictures and did the magazine stuff afterwards so <clears throat> that piece was eight weeks in tanzania five weeks in other parts of the world um i did i did a complete research thesis and, and presented the findings and those findings i was used to make a body of work on albinism and people with albinism and the killings uh, had my first solar museum exhibition at the California African American Museum. And then um, I was invited to, to Canada to raise money to Vancouver for albinism with Under the Same Sun. And then I was invited to the Uni United Nations to present and testified using my art. Um, yeah, so that's kind of, and then the kids that I, I became very close with um are now living here it took us three years um to get all the monies together and bring them over and then when they came they didn't want to go back because of the fear and the trauma and all the stuff mm -hmm. so we, we you know malena roots ch jerry beard there's a bunch of village we we have those children now those two girls in here in los angeles so young ladies per se because it's been here a little bit and stuff. so that's kind of one of the most I would say I recognizable work that is still alive because when you see them, you see where they, where they came from, you know? Mm -hmm. They're still living here and they're still with albinism. So that work is kind of, I think it's my largest work. You know, fast forward after that, you know, I mean, I've done stuff in Mexico with the visibility of um, Mexicans who are with African heritage was not being counted in the census until 2006, mm -hmm. where I don't know, it's like a five, over five million, it's probably one, one point something million had been counted. So, mm -hmm. not being counted in the census mean you have no resources, right? <clears throat> mm -hmm. A lot of people hadn't gone to school, and I was invited to Mexico City to do a residency, and of course. <laughs> They weren't too happy that that's where my residency went, but I did not care because I like to go where I feel like I can make a difference or say something. Not because I'm a maker of things or a creator. I, I don't rely on that to make art. So that mm -hmm. spoke to me. That happens in Mexico City. And then um, prior to that, I did a body of work, remember me tell you, that is ongoing looking at climate change. Of course, when the US came out of, of the agreement, and stuff, it, a lot of things shift, you know, but now we're back. I'm hoping to continue that work on ecological, social, and uh, political climate change. So um, there's always, I'm always looking at work that I can have a good research paper written about the findings, make making the actual art. Mm -hmm. And having the program to do the community engagement where I inv invite the community to participate in, in healthy dialogue and conversation um, moving forward. Mm -hmm. And we have someone from the Facebook group saying um, they never knew that people born with albinism were being killed. Oh yeah, well that happened in Tanzania. If they look up, um, they could look up my work, um, Visibly Invisible. Um, and also if you look up um, Tanzania albinism, they've been butchered and murdered and discriminated against just for being born with albinism grave have been desecrated looking 
for parts to make portions and stuff like that. So um, it was a serious case. And of course, um, I now understand when somebody says, will you die for your art? I went to Tanzania not speaking the language, not knowing where I was going, knowing only one person, not personally, through a connection and had to go in as a student to the university because journalists were not welcome. International journalists were not welcome friendly because of the news that was getting out. Mm -hmm. So um, it's almost like getting into that country undercover and working discreetly to, to protect my own life. And um, also just making sure I get out. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, and let me see, because we have a little bit of the work that you were um, actually just referenced. So this here is going to be, um, this is on your website, unigabun.com. And we have Member Me Tell You. So Member Me Tell so that, those two pieces, that's a portrait, a self-portrait to your right. Mm -hmm. And the other one is called um, Earth Mother. Um, these two pieces are collected by CCH Founder. Um, yeah, and that's for my climate change piece. And this piece where you're looking at, where you're looking at the, the, um, the coasters, mm -hmm. the cork wood found in California, which is very indigenous to California. Um, and, um, I wanted to bring attention to the cutting of trees, mm -hmm. and etching of the dragonfly inside of it. Yeah. Okay. We have this piece here. Oh, that's a part of the series. Yeah. So that's uh, so that's so that's part of that exhibition right there. So you're looking at the full installation, and um, to your far left mm -hmm. or closer to the, the screen is a wall of clothing from uh, over like 69 countries. I'm making a wall, and then I have this projection of dragonflies and quite a few languages saying, sometimes I feel like a motherless child. You know, this country can be so kind and unkind where it's telling people to go back where they come from, that kind of stuff, mm -hmm. even when they're making significant contributions. So that was that. Um, those are from the same series. Um, the one on the right is leaves without trees and it's young children migrating on boats across land in mm. the dragonfly. When children are been displaced, are displaced or have to run, it says something when they have to be on the run too, because it's hard enough for an adult to run, but when a child has to run without any direction. Mm -hmm. So that work become out of, out of, out of that piece. And, you know, I, I know you use dragonflies a lot in your work. What's the meaning for you behind the importance or significance of the dragonfly in your work? So, the, the, you know, I mean, I started, I started this dragonfly series when I was looking at water in graduate school in 2015. And I was looking at the drought and looking at where there was no water and looking at the relationship to animal that are affected both by the land and the water. And 
I found the dragonfly. And then I start researching the dragonfly. I, I worked with a scientist, his name is Dr. Bybee out of Bingham University. And um, he had a million dollars from the science center to study the dragonfly. Mm. And I got him to mentor me for, you know, a few phone calls, meetings in a semester to understand the insect. And I think for me, it's one of the most amazing experience I've had because I figured that the dragonfly, most of his life is spent underwater. Mm. Um, and it stays here up to two or three years before you see a dragonfly as a myth. And um, and the cyclic, which they come to life, is usually a full moon. So I learned the cycle when the dragonfly and I. So I start studying, looking, I, you know, I had a pond in the backyard um, and I wanted to actually, I've seen dragonflies there, so I knew there would be eggs in there. So I set a camera down in there and I start, you know, scouring it and I found them, young ones in there. Mm. And um, I kind of went with the flow and study when the moon is going to like, keep looking and checking. And then, you know, I, I had an experience where one came out out of the cocoon just for me and that was amazing. Mm. I also learned that it's like, you know, they've been around since the dinosaur age, 350 million years, 500, wow. over 500 species. The only place they're not found is Antarctica. And recently they said they have found a dragonfly there, or a species of dragonfly, we're not sure yet. But um, I'm fascinated by the fact that most of his life is spent under the water and in the water it's a it's a predator it cleans the water it eats anything that you know airborne parasites and stuff and then when it comes on land and leaves the water it becomes food so that for me is a total balance of the ecosystem where it gets in the water does its thing clean the water so we don't have all these bacteria piling up and doing stuff then when it comes out of the water it becomes food for other animals that is fascinating Mm -hmm. so you, as a motif in my work was not difficult it was so easy because just to think about the dragonfly and how it flies it's a winged animal um, mm -hmm. it's flying and so I, I use that as a way to say i'm navigating my politics so when mm -hmm. you see it in my work you know that that's kind of just what it is right mm -hmm. um the fact that it's everywhere mm -hmm. um it's in everything I, I, you, you will see it for, I don't know how long, but I, I enjoy having it in my work. I mean, that is most things I've worked on, whether that be bronze, ceramics, metal, work on paper, work on canvas, you'll see the dragonfly. Mm -hmm. um, it's fascinating um, to me um, and to have the level of knowledge and understanding about the dragonfly. Mm -hmm. So it becomes my motif in my work. Yes, yeah, amazing. And it's so interesting that they've been around that long. Yeah, mm -hmm. they, at one point the wings were 20 inches long before you know the oxygen and the carbon dioxide changes in the atmosphere. Mm -hmm. uh, and how they notice, they study fossils, you know, fossils uh, mm -hmm. during the dinosaur age and have found the wings to be 20, 25 inches long. Mm -hmm. 
We have a couple of comments. We had one a little bit earlier from the, the group. There's so many of us who have no idea about what's going on in certain places in the world. It's so brave of you to put yourself in your life on the line to get these issues heard. Thank you for sharing. I appreciate you so much. Mm -hmm. And we have Judy saying hello, hello. Which Judy is that? Uh, Judy Brown. Uh, she's Judy Brown. <laughs> Locally. Um, powerful, beautiful. And we have Shani, beautiful art, especially the ceramics. Thank you. And Judy saying interesting. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, you kind of got into a little bit earlier, but I wanted to know if you could go a little bit into like, how does your fine art practice address inequality, inequities in underserved communities? Cause I know you started getting into it, but you know, if we could elaborate a little bit more. Inequity is a big deal for me because I went to universities that I was accepted in because of my credibility and they've honored me with all kind of discoveries, scholar and whatever it is, but yet still other students see the reason to call the police on me, mm. um, you know, because they don't see enough of me on that campus. Well, um, I feel like speaking about my experiences and telling and showing it in art and making, I could consider beautiful art that has these kind of stories uh, laced into them, gives you time or it's more encouraging to look at than, you know, I mean, just making it heavy, but because it's heavy already. I mm -hmm. think the, the research, the investigative um, in research is so important. Um, how I use my work to bring light and visibility is just make the work. Yeah, you know, I put myself into it. You know, that's it's it's very clear. You know, whether it's going to Tanzania or whether it's doing a live performance at the the um, the drive-by art um, in West Adams, where I did a whole performance on Ahmad Habri, Ahmad Abri, who was murdered and butchered by those men who drove him down, you know what I mean, um, to really bring that, bring more visibility and more nice about it. I feel like my, my job is never to be silent in any of these issues, and that's kind mm -hmm. of my, my way in supporting that kind of um, activism in my art. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, um, one of the things that I really appreciate is all the different types of art that you do, because when I was um, looking at your bio, and it said how you've been in the arts and entertainment for 35 years. And you're like, you're a poet, an actor, a singer, a producer, playwright, um, and using all of those mediums to, uh, to empower people to have social activism, uh, to social commentary, and to bring awareness to so many different issues. Um, I really appreciate that. There's, I know that there's some artists that they have like, you know, just one lane that they're in, but you're like, I'm using all the lanes, all of them to my disposal. So that's an amazing uh, thing about you. But you, you never know what is going to move people. Mm -hmm. And if you have, if you have the, if you feel like you have the know-how, you, you want to, you should just do it. You mm -hmm. know, um, using all the areas is because I come from the theater and music. 
-hmm. And when you come from theater and music, you're doing everything. Mm -hmm. you, know, you have to write the plays, you have to write the scripts, you have to block it, you have to this, you have to build the set, you have to make the costume, you have to do the performance, you have to know the line, you have to direct yourself, you have to direct others, right? So that discipline of coming from theater and music keeps you very grounded in that form. Mm -hmm. You forget what I mean. And then the visual for me is the storytelling part of it. Mm -hmm. So whether I am using um, things, objects to tell a story. This it's not just objects being put together. It's totally, totally researched and abstract and written about. Every mm -hmm. ounce of that is a piece of work that if you probably just ask me, I will tell you all the things that I was thinking and tell you how I, how I got to the end. Mm -hmm. Because, and it's because growing up, you know, I was never encouraged into the arts. I never had parents like that, right? And I never, I never saw art really in my house, in my grandparents' house, um, in my grandfather's house, in my grandmother's house in the country. Um, there was, um, there was one thing. What do you call it? It's 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 there's one thing on the wall. Um, this fruit thing with this cornucopia. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, so many and, of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it was a lamp that says home sweet home around it. And I would stare at that lamp and wonder <laughs> where was that fucking home sweet home? <laughs> um, but because not that I didn't feel at home at the time, but it always felt like something is missing and I would just look at the light and just look at it. Like, you know, and then I, if I need to see any more art, I would look in the Bible. My mm -hmm. grandmother was into the church. I would look in the Bible, but all the things I see that were pleasant were white angels and white Jesus and that the devil was black. And in my mind, I always questioned that when I never ask about it because nobody thought or say anything about it, right? So I never get too far with that. Then I, I, I kind of start drawing my first drawing I made was a fish and I made an eight and put a dot in one part of the eight and the eye. That was a fish, right? <laughs> and I made an eye with an A, bam, bam, that. That's first first thing that I can remember that I did and I was so proud of myself. And I hid it someplace and I don't know where it is. Then I went to my grandfather's house and he had no art in his house, mm. but he had some incredibly china pieces on the table. And then my grandmother, my step-grandmother had a room and her wall was papered from floor to ceiling, every inch of it with all kinds of stories. She was a helper. So whenever she leaves, I'll lay up in her bed. I would look at all the magazines. I would look at all the magazines and when I'm, and I feel good enough that I've had a good look at magazines on the wall in her bed, I would make the bed back and she would know every time I lay in her bed. <laughs> she would know wow. that I, 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 I was in her bed. Somebody was in her bed, it had to be me. But that's kind of um, um, what have me have think about the many ways I can tell stories and the many ways you can be inspired. You know what I mean? The outdoors in the countryside was a great deal of raw, natural, natural inspiration for me, sounds you know, night sounds, morning sounds, um, rain sounds, 
wind sounds, swaying of trees, and you know, the evenings with flock of birds barring over the hill and just disappearing into clouds. I was that kind of child where I had imagination for everything. I thought the grass was the sea, and I jump and I start swimming in the grass. <laughs> you know, that's the kind of person I was. You know, imagination never stopped. So I had to find whatever ways to make the art that I want to make. And that kind of just allowed me to develop the skill of making the things that I want to make and tell the stories in the form that I want to tell them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We have uh, Judy was asking, I guess from earlier when I was talking about the different art forms, are you thinking of writing a book and including the art? I have one book that is out right now. It's called Visibly Invisible Through the Eyes of Yone Gabon, I think, yeah. Yeah. And that is, um, it's an Amazon. But yeah, um, um, there's so many stories that you don't see or don't hear and see in the art because it has to be edited that I still enjoy thinking about mm -hmm. that I'd love to share someday, you know what I mean? i share a quick one. I was in McCormick Park. I've, I wanted to see, as part of my trip to Tanzania, I wanted to see the great big five, you know, all the, the big animals. And I said, I'm going to treat myself to a tour. Okay, I don't know why, make me, why I did this. But I hired me um, a, a young tour guide. He was out, they gave me a young tour guide who was out of college, in college, and spoke some English. And he was supposed to help me find this world trip. I got up like at five o'clock in the morning to meet a driver who did not come. Then I got on a, a, a wait at a bus station, waited for like two, three hours to get on the bus till the bus was full enough to drive to the park. While we were on the bus, um, I was taking pictures outside the, the mountain and pictures of people and police came on the bus and immediately I start saying, oh my God, the mountains are so great here. I just love the mountains because I think I knew it was me. So they, they start speaking to the, my, my tour guide in Swahili. And when they left, he, they said somebody on the bus told them there was a man with camera taking pictures on the bus. And oh police and um, he told them I was a student and um, that's all, all it was if we were going for a day trip and that's how they didn't take me off that bus. Wow. So, but I say this to say that that's a story I never told into the research stuff, right? Mm -hmm. about it. And then on the way back that night, the bus break down in the park where all the big fives were, hyena, lion, you name it, everything's up in there. Mm -hmm pitch black as midnight, can't see nothing. Unless a vehicle drive by, you see people. So I made a final tape. It's, if something happened to me, if you know, a lion would attack us and drag somebody off, I don't know, could me or whatever, they would find my tape. And I listened to that tape all the time and I would just laugh to myself. I'm like, I was serious when I was making that tape. <laughs> because I couldn't see anybody in the group. Because mm. the, the sky, you see the stars, but below, pitch black, so black, you can't see your hand in front of your face. None of it, none of it, mm. you can't see, it was so black. But I recorded all the sounds and the conversation in the darkness. Mm -hmm. And I always thought that was such a great piece to really share one day. So yes, I'm always thinking about writing um, a little bit more developed story, you know, on some of the villages that I've been to, the experiences I've had, 
getting the material that I need to get to make the work. Mm-hmm. So, so yes. Um, someone from the group said uh, a pure creative, <laughs> um, and then someone said, "Oh gosh, yeah, that would I would be freaked out." <laughs> Let me tell you something. When I talk to that man, he tell talk to that boy. He tells me, um, "Oh." The the culture rock will only take the women and children. I said, this is not the Titanic. <laughs> <laughs> he said to me, Titanic, what is that? <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> I had to change totally like, okay, you are not in America. You're not in the West. This He don't know what Titanic is. He's, not, <laughs> he's a young student and it's like, <laughs> I was like, okay, <laughs> leave it alone. That is hilarious. Oh my God, that was that for me was I I I was shocked too, and and I said, Titan, I realized I was, you know, you know, when you get to a place like this, and you and your culture is one. So mm-hmm. even when you go like, yeah, I'm going to behave myself, I'm going to be this, I'm going to be that. When shit hit the fan, your real person's going to come out. <laughs> My real person came on and was like, look, this is not the Titanic. I need to get on that cow track. He goes, no, 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 no. What is the Titanic? (laughs) I couldn't say to him, hey, it's a ship. (laughs) And they were making women and children. (laughs) I just shut up and just observe. A few women and kids would go on the truck. And these are cow trucks. You're climbing the cow trucks with the cow to get out of this McCormick Park. And then a lot of the men and you know the boys they hang around and wait, 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 waiting for a vehicle to pick us up. Oh my God, that was the worst. I never want to go back another trip like that. I was done. I was like, okay, that's me. We're trying to see lions. I'm gonna go to Zanzibar, lay out on the beaches and see villages and stuff. Yep. <laughs> but it was a wonderful experience in that I had such a such a a wonderful and rich time in Africa. I see. I see um, all sorts of people, all sides of people. I had one guy, he was a baker, big burly guy, huge, big muscle, everything. He was a baker, but he was the gent- most gentle soul, right? So I, I, I saw him baking and I would start singing about Mali. He said, ah, Bob Mali. I said, that's, that's the only thing he knows. And I try to speak more, he says, no, but he knows Bob Mali. And every evening in Zanzibar, I would go to that place and sings about mm. for about four or five evenings and he gives me a cup of tea and a loaf of bread this time. <laughs> and I I cherish that like you know to, mm. I take pictures of him I cherish because he's always like he just waited to be serenade and give me that bread and a cup of tea and I would just had so much fun. Nothing else was you know was 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 exchanged more than just pure appreciation for humanity and people. Mm. I wish I took his name and his address and stuff. And when you travel like this, sometimes yeah. journeys, you just, you remember what you remember and it's just a wonderful experience. But if I go back, I must go find him because I was so happy. Every evening I would take myself, even after a fabulous dinner in a restaurant, I'd go sing for my loaf of bread and my tea. <laughs> it was so much fun. Yeah. yeah. That's an awesome experience. Yeah. Yeah. What, in your opinion, what are some of the challenges um, and opportunities for artists of Africa and the diaspora? 
there's a whole heap of them because first you know we're so marginalized in so many ways it's always have to be one you know you know you have 50 million white artists and there are other artists and they're showing their work and they're exhibited and, and um, um represented and mm -hmm. stuff and it always have to be that one um i think that we have we're not there yet but I think over the George, since George Floyd and the COVID, I think the attention has been switched to under the Black Life Movement last year. People start those who are looking at art, looking at art for those message, right? Um, um, and you know, folks who have never been was never hanging black art in their house are not hanging it inside their house, mm. right? Um, the miseducation of who we are and what our story is has always been a thing where it's been used to castrate us as artists. And then they tell you, go to graduate school, go to school. And then you get to graduate school, you get to undergrad or whatever, you get to school. And then when you come out, they don't want you to, you to be a teacher in the school because you're too radicalized, you've seen too much. And um, that bothers me. You know, they'll pick a one or a two person who they think, okay, either they're a star in their field or they they think they can, they have an, a white appeal and stuff, you know what I mean? But outside of that, there is still a lot of fear mm -hmm. as, to, um, as to who we are as, as artists of color in Africa, diaspora. Um, I think that what we're doing right now, we're just telling our stories and we are Instagram and Facebook and social media has literally take it out of the water to say the least where people have access to see the work and they're realizing that we've been telling stories all along. Mm -hmm. um, is that you have not been listening. Mm -hmm. um, that's kind of just where that is, you know? Um, I think that we, as artists of color, need to collaborate more. We don't have to collaborate by making work. Have conversation, do studio visit, not be competitive. There's no reason for it. You mm -hmm. know, I know we all have to eat and everybody's trying to, to um, you know, go, go for the plate and, you know, all that kind of stuff. I understand that, but I still don't understand it because there's always enough to share. and. We are not making the same work. Um, mm -hmm. Even if we are, we're telling it from different perspective and it should be okay as well. Mm -hmm. So um, I think in the education sector, um, college need to hire more artists of color to teach, bringing them, bringing those history book and, you know, like Marxists and those old you know, I mean, um, art, the garden, those, those, we, we, we know that, but mm -hmm. have those readings and stuff it's the, that are written by mainly white men mm -hmm. uh, and stuff, still teaching in graduate school, those readings and stuff, the people are giving those readings to you are white people mm -hmm. and stuff like that. You know, so I am about re-educating and shifting that narrative of how art has been used and also, what is education in art? 
mm-hmm. be more than um, those, you know, gorgonchous words that they use. Um, and just the idea of, of just to be intellectual or to be inclusive. You know, I mean, um, I don't see that, you know, look, I've done, I went back to school at 42 and I've done the undergrad, I've done the graduate um, public practice and visual arts. And I know artists that have not gone to graduate school are incredible. Their narratives are great. Um, They might not understand how to give language to some of the things that we have created than determining that that's language which is mm-hmm. not necessarily so mm-hmm. um, and they're making great work with, with good content and they have something to say to have them excluded is kind of a disservice mm-hmm. knowing that the resources were never there mm-hmm. and um it's going it's and it's getting in debt and coming out not even able to find a goddamn associate adjunct position because of now your eyes are open and you can see and you have much more to bring to the table you know what i mean so here's a lot of work to be done i'm just hoping that in my lifetime i can make a difference that's all i can say to that absolutely absolutely we have a, one of the comments from the group um fear and wanting to control the narrative fear of the truth wow yeah um, there was an artist I spoke to a long time ago, and he's literally, I can't remember which country in Africa he was from, but he was in a university, and the teacher happened to be white and was like trying to talk about this particular country, and he actually had to try to like defend what he knows as a native from the country versus someone who's never even been there. She's just going by whatever she's mm-hmm. <laughs> And because they're standing there and they're given that position, they become gods and they 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 use that mm-hmm. i hate it they use that i'm the first to rebel you know i mean i i i can't sit and be comforted by that stuff it doesn't make sense to me none of it is nonsense mm-hmm. um i don't care what what teacher you are you could be the dean i'm going to challenge you because it's nonsense mm-hmm. stuff um i had a very rough time in graduate school um a very interesting time in undergrad. I have a very interesting time in school period going back because mm-hmm. there was so much needed to be fixed, mm-hmm. you know, in that I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. It was a lot of those moments. Mm-hmm. Oh, so institution for me, hmm. <laughs> I have my doubts. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, you recently had a birthday, so I'm going to say happy birthday again. <laughs> Thank you. You, um, you produce a three-day multi-layer series called Legally Triple 21. Can you tell us a little bit about that and why was it important for you to share your birthday in that way? It was very interesting because I also found my birth paper with my my mother's birth day and my mother's date of birth on it and she was 21 when she had me mm. oh. yeah that was uh, on the 21st of january she was 21 when she had me right um so i've been in la 21 years and my 
birthday is January 21st and it was 2021. So I was celebrating both my birthday, I was celebrating an anniversary and I'm celebrating a new year and stuff. Um, and lots of things that I want to do in this year, regardless of what it gives me, you know, I mean, I'm going to see as much as I can do and get done. Mm -hmm. um, and for many years, I've been using my birthday to, as a way of giving back, uh, raising money for different charitable organization and stuff. Um, this year, I just wanted to use the internet and we did actually raise some money for African Millennium Foundation. Um, you know, there are people who bought my ceramic mugs and stuff, um, the Dragonfly ones, the recent, recent edition that I did hmm. for, you know, the charity and stuff, because I found out that they, I can, you know, last year I didn't make enough money for my support for my charities. And I wanted to also use that to, you know, bring a bit to, I can give to them and share with them. So that was pretty much the end. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I love that you had, um, you were like going on two different platforms. Well, three, because you had the Zoom webinars to Facebook and you brought, you know, talk to all the, the variety of people from CC, you had art critics, you had artists, you had um, people with, you know, arts education, um, just a wealth of, of information. And, um, and then going on Instagram, talking to the different artists and, you know, and, and people that you know, that I was, I caught some of them and I was just like, oh, let me follow them on Instagram. So there's a lot of them that I ended up, you know, connecting with and just getting fed by. And I think that's just, you know, it just kind of speaks to your nature of always giving and using your platform to help something, you know, someone else, another organization and bring awareness. So I think that was an amazing feat. That's all we can do. That's mm -hmm. all we can do. We we do know it, it does us no good to do this. Mm -hmm. A clenched fist. Mm -hmm. That's better to me. Mm -hmm. At least, you know. Um, yeah. Yeah, we have a couple of people on the of the group saying happy birthday. Thank you. <laughs> And we also had someone from when you were talking about the school. Wow, exactly. I've had confrontations with teachers for the same reason, history teachers. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they need to start hire some people who know what they know what we're about and start bringing them books written by those dead white people for centuries to the classroom and tell us that that's what history is when we are constantly evolving. This is bullshit. Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm not having any of it. And stuff. Mm -hmm. I've had to deal with it in grad school. I had to deal with the undergrad and the people that are bringing these regurgitated um, history. They don't. How do they fit into the evolving world today? They mm -hmm. don't. And stuff. The formula and the curriculum need to be burnt mm -hmm. and, and 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 resurrected into something that fits the current climate. It is a nonsense. Totally nonsense. I don't see it. You know. Um, but hey, that's why they're not letting me into this institute. Yeah. Well, you know, we, we make our own lanes, so. <laughs> I have my own platform. Yeah. Same I say. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Because I, I, you know, I mean, I, I, I know it. It is very clear. You can see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. Do you have any self-care practices? 
Well, my self-care practices pretty much there has been locked down since COVID. Mm. I usually get my flexology done, my massages, my all the pampering stuff. Mm. I'm the kind of pampering dude. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? It's like, no, I like all them things, you know? Um, so I just reach out to my uh, friend who she's a masseuse um, to do an appointment Thursday. I had my COVID negative and I said, I can't, it's been a while. I need some hands on me, please. Mm -hmm. um, I do like to take off when I can and I don't make work when I'm when I take off. Um, I just soak it all up. I sleep, I eat, mm. I, I I just very fluid and flexible in what I collect in terms of photographs or document, and I observe, you know, what I mean, but not anything heavy, mm. you know. Long evenings, long long evenings, short evenings, long days, short days, you know, what I mean, anywhere. It, it, it i feel it i just crash and that's what i like i haven't done that in a while I haven't had a vacation in a while because um uh, 2019 i was preparing for 2020 bnl in dakar so i've been working on that and then 20 also in 2019 i was traveling and doing presentation i did a lecture in jamaica and raised money for scholarships for education um for the school of drama um so um i haven't had a break um i'm, I'm kind of just needing that right now mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. absolutely uh we have someone from the facebook group saying um you have um to have your own lane so you can be free to say what you need to say absolutely we were talking about like you know being your own lane versus like fitting into um no. I don't fit into any of that stuff, mm -hmm. none of it, because you're not going to tell me how to entertain or to behave myself. You must be mad. Mm -hmm. I recently, I saw you ask about the significance of the birthday as well. So I have been going to Africa a lot. Um, I've made several trips to East and West. Um, and um, I decided I want to know where I'm from. So I did African DNA. Mm found out I'm from the Balanta tribe and the word Balanta mean resist mm. are those who remain mm -hmm. that's what it means and that's what the Mandinga call these people because they could not be easily captured when you capture them you have to really capture them good because they are stubborn people that's my tribe the Balanta. So you mess with me, you're going to deal with the Balanta. Spitting. <laughs> you said, I. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. I was super happy about that. Mm -hmm. um, because everything those people are, all of it is me. Mm -hmm. All those protests. I've been protesting and standing up for injustice since I was 19 years old. Wow. Yeah, it's been a long time, mm -hmm. probably earlier, you know. But I say this to say that it hasn't changed and I don't see it changing anytime, you know. I just don't want to leave this planet a bitter person. Mm -hmm. I want to be a better person, not a bitter person, mm -hmm. you know. So if I can get some things, yeah, 
that would be great. Yeah. If you had access to a time machine, where would you go and why? The past or the future? The future. Mm. I've lived the past, girl, and it's beautiful. Every bit of it, good and bad. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the future. I want to live a full life in Africa. Mm. I want to take off and go to uh, places like uh, Botswana, spend some time in Botswana, um, spend some time in different parts of Senegal and Ghana, and just, just, just Gambia and Mali. Just mm -hmm. see, I get goosebumps telling you this. It better be a wish that come true very soon. It's nothing, I'm the happiest when I'm on the continent. There's something that, that is electrifying to me. Mm. That not only inspires me, but it humbles and centers me in such a deep way that I cannot express it in words. That's what I feel when I'm in Africa. Everything about it. Even when I go to villages with barely nothing of the modern world, I feel so at home. Mm -hmm. I feel so at home and so humbled. You know what I mean? I remember one time I was in a village in um, Senegal, outside of Dakar. And we were on the beach. I was with a, a Dr. Sek, the Senegalese uh, uh, doctor, not medical, uh, historical doctor. And um, he took me to, um, I think it's Jola, and I saw these young girls catching fish and they broke a bottle, like parts of the bottle they broke and they put something in the bottle, you know, um, and put it in the water and the fish would come into the bottle mm. and the little fish and they would be scaling them little thing, no more little like my finger like right here, lots of it. And I was like, how industrious, they're catching the dinner. Mm. You know, it was just wonderful and stuff. You know, it, it, it makes you think, it makes you think about life in so many ways. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, so yes. Yeah, so I'm saying agreed. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh man, take me to the future. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, Yune, it was, you know, such a pleasure to have you here. I know that you're busy and I hope you have some vacation time soon. <laughs> so. Um, I'll try. I'll try and do some local R&R, &R, something, get away from myself. I don't know how possible that is, but I will try. Yes, 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 absolutely. Um, do you have any other um Final words, closing thoughts. You're doing a wonderful job over there, Miss Nikki Luke. <laughs> thank you, thank over you. Over there, having this conversation and stuff. Um, mm -hmm. No, just, just, just to know that artists are usually the last through the door, but the first thing you see when you've opened the door is the creativity. You're mm -hmm. going to place doesn't look right or doesn't feel right, the person to check with is the decorator, who's the decorator, mm -hmm. the art and stuff. So whatever way you support, you know what I mean? Like supporting your project, you know, and what you do, you know what I mean? Yes. Whatever way you can support, you know, bring it to the circle mm -hmm. and support because showing up and 
getting people from different um, arenas in different parts of the world to speak and to engage, it's, it takes a little bit of preparing, right? Yeah. Well, I would say, you know, um, my 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 radio station NPR always sends me, they sends me um, their regular envelope, and when they when they don't see the payment, they sends me a pink one. <laughs> it sends me a pink one. Right? Hey, we're still waiting for that check. Where mm -hmm. is it? You know. So um, don't let don't 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 let Nikki ever send you a pink a pink envelope. <laughs> yeah. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, we have a couple of people. So we have Will said just checking in, but great interview. Um, checked in late, but great interview. Thank you. Thank you. And um, this is live right now, but you know you could always go back, you know, and watch the replay. It's on YouTube. It's on Facebook under Nikki Lopez Creative, and you know by the end of the week it'll be on all the podcasts. So you could definitely go back and um, and and watch them. Thank you for being here. And then we have oh, I think that was Valerie. This is such a wonderful exchange of po positive energy. Much love, absolutely. Thank you. And Grecia, outstanding, outstanding. Thank you, thank you. Yes, so, you know, thank you. Thanks again for being here. Um, thank you for all the people that's here watching this live. Um, and for those who's going to watch it on the replay, thank you for watching it. Please consider sharing this. You know, like, you know, you're and I say, don't hold it in, you know, give send it somewhere there's someone in your network that might be interested in doing some of the things um that you know we talked about uh and i did already put your links so definitely go and check him out and see you know more of his work support him by the ceramics they are definitely going to a great cause or some a piece of art you know a piece of fine yeah. Yes, it's all art, but uh, definitely uh, go check them out. Um, if you enjoyed this program, this program is brought to you by Nikki Lopez Creative and What's Your Elephant? So What's Your Elephant is a movement that uses the arts to create safe spaces to address everything unspoken. So if you like this work, you want to look up more of the things that I'm doing, you can go to whatsyourelephant.org or Linktree. Uh, so definitely. Um, and we have here and make sure that we end it on... Urinate, so you can definitely look up urinategabon.com and you could uh, find more of his uh, work and links to it. Instagram. Oh, yes, yes. Oh. Yeah, the Instagram page has got lots of the more current stuff than the, the, um, the, the, um, the web. So we have a couple of, the, we have the Instagram going on the ticker and also in the comments under F Facebook and the YouTube page, we have all of your links there. So definitely go and check it out. So um, that's it for tonight. Yerne, hopefully you get some, you're, even though you're on, you're the West Coast, we're on the East Coast. So, <laughs> um, but I thank you for being here and um, thank everyone for being here. And I will see you all a little bit later next week. Peace out. Thank Peace. you, your audience. Nikki, bye-bye.